Today's show is brought to you by Lightning Pod. If you have a podcast, you know that it's a lot of work. But Lightning Pod can help. We've been working with their founder, Eric Johnson, for more than a year now, and he's really helped us take the Smart Home Show to the next level. So if you're starting a new podcast or you want to make your existing podcast better, you should get in touch with Eric. Learn more at lightningpod.fm. Today in the Smart Home Show, pioneering a new installer model for the DIY Smart Home with Branton Arby. Stay tuned. Hey everyone, this is Mike Wolf. Welcome to the Smart Home Show. It's been a few weeks since I posted a episode. I was on vacation. I was in Hawaii for my 20th wedding anniversary uh, with my wife, and uh, I didn't feel like podcasting there. So I apologize for being a little bit behind on publishing. I actually have a few episodes in the can uh, that I've recorded that I'm going to be getting out. So you might see them coming fast and furious in the next few weeks. Today's guest is Branton Ellerby, who is a smart home installer in the Dallas area. I had met Branton at our South by Southwest mixer, smart home mixer that uh, we co-hosted with the Z-Wave Alliance. And Branton is a guy that was really interesting to me. He'd actually been listening to the smart home show for a while. We got to communicate. So he ended up going to the, the mixer um, and we talked about his business a little bit. And I thought it was pretty interesting. He's a guy who has decided to take his existing IT support business and uh, branch off into the DIY smart home. And as you'll hear, you know, he's been doing tech support for a while, but he started getting approached by different guys, different people with uh, things like Nest thermostats. And so he's uh, starting this business. And as I've been talking about and I've been writing about, you guys may have heard or seen my writing. I do believe that there's going to be a new, I guess, category of installer rising up around the DIY smart home. And I think that it may very well be existing home system techs like electricians or, or plumbers who just start to connect connected devices. A good example is I had a guy come out uh, to fix my irrigation system or just get it ready for the spring. I said, hey, have you installed any of these Wi-Fi irrigation systems? And he goes, no, I hear a lot about them. Uh, people ask me about them. I have yet to install one. I know I'm going to have to learn how to do that. But he, he's actually kind of petrified because he goes now, he's talking about how it now will, I mean, he has to do network support and, and figure out Wi-Fi, which uh, he thought that is pretty out of the, the usual scope of what he does when it comes to irrigation systems. And I agree, but guys like Brandon think there's a, a real opportunity here. And so I, I thought I'd talk to him about it. If you do listen to other podcasts, like Richard Gunther's great home on podcast, uh, we were, we were, uh, actually I was on a guest. I was a guest on his show. He's a guest on mine. We we're actually talking and we both talked about upcoming guests. And I knew that he said that he was actually going to have uh Brandon on as well. So you may have heard Brandon on home on, so I encourage you to listen to that one as well, but not before you listen to this one uh, and hear what Branton has to say here. So I appreciate that. Before we get into our conversation with Branton, I just have a little bit of news. I also want to talk about uh, a device I've been using, the SkyBell. As you may have heard the last episode, I'm starting to do at least mini reviews, not really kind of full reviews. That's not really my specialty, but at least talk about some of the devices, my installation experience, and some of the experience I've had using the devices. So I want to talk about the SkyBell. But first, let's talk about the news. And really, the biggest story of the last week was news that Google is going to be getting into the IoT even more with an IoT OS operating system called Brillo. This was reported by the information, I think it was on Thursday of last week. And they basically said that Google was creating uh, software for low-power devices uh, to be embedded. They actually said, you know, 
devices with 32 to 64 megabits of, of memory, and uh, that they might have more details at Google I.O. in the next week or so. Well, something didn't strike me uh, as quite correct about that, this report, because I thought, well, low-power devices oftentimes have just a fraction of that amount of memory. So I started asking around to my sources, and I got some – I got a scoop. I don't do a lot of scoops. I don't you know, oftentimes have <clears throat> stuff that people haven't heard about. I often do – I just analyze stuff mainly and add context. But uh, my sources actually had some interesting info because uh, Google had approached a few of the, the people I talked to regularly. And what they had to say is Google is definitely uh, has this thing called Brillo. Uh, it's actually target, targeted at, at least they think it's targeted at, home router manufacturers. So the full software stack, uh, this operating system, if you will, is a real-time operating system that might compete with something like VxWorks that will go into a home router and then allow uh, the person with the home router to connect to different smart home devices. And so this would basically entail a different idea and different vision around the home router. If you if you know home routers, they're Wi-Fi devices and they have Ethernet, but they don't have Zigbee or Z-Wave. And so uh, the people I, were talking, I was talking to said that this would require home router manufacturers to add new radios, be it Zigbee, Z-Wave, maybe even something like Bluetooth. So that's interesting. I think that's an interesting piece of news. I've been writing about how the smart home hub um, it's going to be increasingly challenged by devices that take on that functionality. They're basically going to get TiVoized, as you as you remember that the, the TiVo used to be a standalone device. We had this separate DVR, and eventually our set top boxes just got the software on it, and we can all record shows on our set top box from Comcast, right? Uh, I record my shows on my Dish uh, DVR, and so it's the same thing, right? It's the same. The functionality is going to go into this device category that we all know and love. We all have a home router, and this makes it easier for the mass market. And really, it's all about the mass market. It's not about us early adopters who may have our Insteon or or Vera Hubs or whatever, and those devices are going to continue to be out there. But off, but what's going to happen more and more is the functionality is going to move into the hub or into the router. So it's interesting that Google's thinking along those lines. This division, from what I have heard, is not under the same group as Tony Fidel's Nest. It's completely separate, which is interesting in and of itself and, and allows you to kind of speculate and intrigue a, a little bit about it. Uh, my understanding is this division actually reports to the same guy who runs their their broadband access efforts, a guy named Craig Barrett, who came out of Qualcomm, used to run a company called Atheros, which if you don't know Atheros, they were one of the companies, coincidentally, that sells chips into the home router space. It's all starting to add up, isn't it, folks? You can do the math. You can see why this guy is running this. So a little bit of market intelligence, straight, fresh out of the oven for you from from uh, the Smart Home Show, Next Market. You won't find anywhere else. I'm, I'm pretty much the only one that wrote about that. Other people have sorted this thing that I wrote at uh, smarthomeweekly.net. You can find it there if you want to read, get the written version. Check it out. And I encourage you to do so. Well, that was the biggest story. I'm not going to go over all the other stories. Uh, I will probably have a fuller show on, on news in the coming week or so. I want to talk about the SkyBell because uh, I love this idea of the connected doorbell. I'm, I'm a big believer that it's just a natural uh, in the smart home. You know, the front door is where, you know, I always want to know who's there when the doorbell rings, the whole family runs. And I definitely want to know who's knocking or, or coming to my door when I'm not home. It may seem creepy, but uh, if I'm not home, like I was in Hawaii last week, um, I had my sky bell. And every time someone would come to the door, the little app would ring and I'd, I'd know who's there. And I, I'd have like a, a recording of it. So I thought, I think that's pretty cool. The installation for the SkyBell was pretty straightforward. Um, it's a line power device. It's not battery powered. And most of you probably like me, you just have a couple wires, just a couple coming out where you can unscrew your existing doorbell and just screw this thing in. I had to put a little bit of a little adapter on there that comes with the device. 
and put it on. And I think the total install process was 15, 20 minutes, mainly because I'm slow and clumsy. But overall, I've been pretty happy with it. Um, the device works pretty well. I do have, uh, I've talked about it on the show, I have a little bit of a Wi-Fi issue where, you know, the house you know, just has a lot of corners to it, some walls. Um, I have some granite in my kitchen. And so oftentimes Wi-Fi signals don't travel greatly. So sometimes I will have a little bit of connectivity problems that the delay, there's a delay in the notifications. But I think that's the case with any Wi-Fi uh, device. And so sometimes I have a little bit of problem surfacing the video. So with the app on your on my Android device, if someone rings the doorbell, I can click uh, start call. And then I'll see the person there and I can actually have a two-way conversation. So I can say, how are you doing? Um, I do this with my kids who love doing this and ringing the doorbell and having a conversation with me. Um, and sometimes when I, I'm not there, it will actually record it. And you can go to re- recorded visits. So overall, the app's straightforward and pretty easy to use. The installation process was easy to use. The only the only issue I have, again, is more Wi-Fi. And it's not necessarily, I think, an issue with SkyBell. It's just an, an issue with um, it's a video feed. And I think they recommend 10, 10 megabits per second. And so if you have issues with spottiness around your Wi-Fi, you might consider uh, a Wi-Fi extender near the front of the home. That's something I'm considering, so I just get better signal. Um, but overall, I can recommend it. There's others out there, of course. Uh, there's uh, there's Ring, which was called Doorbot, and there's uh, there's a few others out there as well. I think uh, Vivint just came out with their own doorbell as well. So there's plenty of them out there. If you haven't had one, I would definitely recommend it. I think it's a pretty cool addition to the Smart Home, and I'm enjoying mine as well. So check it out. Well, that's it. Uh, let's get onto our conversation with Branton. Before we do, though, uh, as always, uh, I encourage you to subscribe to the Smart Home Show. If you haven't, do it in your favorite app. You can also go to technology.fm and you find it there and also find an archive of episodes. And if you want to get a lot of the news I write about, a lot of the, the stuff I'm talking about and, and people are interested in the Smart Home, uh, just go to smarthomeweekly.net and uh, check that out as well. You can subscribe to a newsletter. always appreciate that as well. I don't spam people. I just I just send news. Fresh news like this Google news uh, that you won't get anywhere else. And oftentimes news you will get anywhere else, but extra helpings of analysis uh, and context. So I think people appreciate that. So, hey, everyone, once once again, thanks for listening. Here's my conversation with Branton Ellerby. I'm excited to have Branton Ellerby, who I met in Austin uh, at uh, our, our Smart Home Mixer. Branton Ellerby with Connected Home Dallas. How you doing, Branton? I'm good. How are you, Michael? I'm doing great. You know, I, the reason I wanted to have you on is we got to talk in – uh, in Austin, and you started telling me about your business. You had told me you you discovered me through the Smart Home Show. You you came to the Mixer, and you told me about this business you run, which is you describe yourself as an IoT integrator. Tell us exactly what you do. I for for the last ten years, I've run a small desktop support company where I support home users, home office, small office people. And over the last couple of years, this client base of mine has started to approach me with more and more things that aren't necessarily computer-related. You know, it's, will, will, you, will you look at this Nest thermostat I got? <laughs> will you put it in for me? Or, you know, I'm thinking about putting in these lights, or what do you know about automated door locks? So as my business has kind of been been around for a while, and I've I've supported so many people over the last, 10 years, they're starting to ask me about things that aren't really related to the computer world anymore, but definitely related to the internet. What were some of the first devices that started to creep in that were out of the ordinary, you know, out of the things like you might describe printers or networks? I mean, was it things like Sonos devices? What were some of the first things? 
Well, I wasn't exposed to the sonos at first, but I was exposed to the nest. Um, the nest kind of was that that magical device that really shook everybody up and said, like, hey, well, wait a second, what? I can connect my thermostat to the Internet and manage it from my phone? So really it was it was the nest. And the nest kind of has opened everybody's eyes to the possibility of being able to do stuff utilizing the internet as a backbone and and that's primarily where it all started. So that was your first exposure, and that is definitely what I would call at least its original status. It was a DIY device in that it was being sold through retail. You're seeing a little bit of it sold through utilities now, but by and large people are getting their hands on it. At retail storefronts. And when we talked in Austin, what I found really interesting is, you know, we talked about you you working as an IoT integrator, but it's much different than the guys I'm encountering at Cedia or professional home system integrators that oftentimes couple themselves, align themselves with a platform like a Control 4 or a platform like a Savant or, or Crestron. When you told me what you do, you said, I only really focus on the DIY stuff. So talk about that because that – that was really interesting to me. Interesting to me, and I hadn't heard a lot of people saying I'm just installing mainly the DIY focused stuff. Well, the reason why I've, I've kind of focused on that is because I'm coming from a desktop support background, and I've watched the evolution of the internet really from about the time wireless routers started to come into the house. And prior to that, you know, I have a I have an IT background in application development for the internet, and so I f- I feel like I have I don't want to say I have a crystal ball because nobody has a crystal ball in this stuff, but I just have this real strong feeling in my stomach that this stuff is has the potential, maybe maybe not, to move away from those very very robust packages of Crestron and Control Four and Savant into kind of a more DIY situation. And that's really what I want to focus on because even though it's DIY and you're, you know, the the manufacturers of these devices are making them as simple as possible for you to take them off the shelf and bring them home and install them, there there is networking involved with it. And the infrastructure that are in most people's houses doesn't really kind of support multiple connected home devices being on it. So you're going to have to have a pretty strong networking understanding to, to, to make all this stuff fly. And I have that in the home, in the small office, in the, in the home office environment. So I think there's a real need for somebody that has those kind of experiences to be kind of the intermediary between the device and the installation and a lot of times the advocate because, you know, in homes, people have evolved through the changing of of the Internet and as the Internet has become more and more and more important and, you know, they have a lot of times routers that aren't going to support the things that they need to do. So let me ask you about growing over time or when you have a, a customer that wants to have a you know a whole home smart home system and it evolves over time because oftentimes if you if you look at a traditional integrator model um, it's something where you know they go back over over years and they grow the network they may add another zone 
you know, do you ever have folks who who want a fairly robust whole home system that could potentially grow over time? What what is your solution there? Do you do you have long term relationships with some of your clients? Yeah, I, I a lot of my clients, I they've been with me for for a very long time, and what what I've done with all my clients in terms of their IT needs is kind of built these built these infrastructure so that they get the biggest bang for their buck. And with IoT, you know, there's a, there's a lot of things that they're just not sure about. I mean, if, if you look at the press, it seems like the press is 50-50 between this is going to change everything to, like, you need to be careful with this stuff. So people are kind of starting to wade in because they're contemplating well, you know, my computer's always my you know, my computer's always got an issue. Do I want to have an issue with my door now too, or my sprinkler system? Um, but what I try to do is find the best products that that seem to have the most longevity, and the companies behind them seem to have the best vision, and start putting those things in place, knowing that this is going to be a bigger thing in the future, the thing being their, their connected house. One of the things I wanted to ask you is how you find clients. Because when we were talking before, you said, you know, you oftentimes work with home builders or, or you'll talk to realtors. So, you know, how do you discover your clients or how do your clients discover you? Well, a lot of it is word of mouth because I have this network base that I've worked on for years. But I started to approach builders and to a certain degree architects there's a, there's a lot of building that's going on where i live so it's it's a lot easier for me to, to get in contact with these people but one of the things that's really interesting is realtors realtors in the smart home um there's been a lot of press lately about the ability to sell a house if it has connected technology in it is sometimes 25% easier than a home that doesn't have connected technology in it. And that can be anything from like the high end even to the simple stuff. But it gives them a hook to, to you know, better do their job. So they're very receptive to talking to you about um, what someone can do to sell a house or what needs to be in a house once a house is sold. So realtors, it's just, it seems like the oddest thing, you know, technology and realtors doesn't always make a strong connection, but in this particular situation, they're, they're the most receptive to hear about the connected home because there's incentive for them to do that. That's interesting. You know, oftentimes it, when I've been selling a house, when I talk to a realtor, it's okay. Uh, you know, put in, put money into a new bathroom, uh, put on a new coat of paint, maybe look mm-hmm. at the rug. Those are the things you negotiate. But from a resale value mm-hmm. perspective or just like um, getting a bang for your buck and trying to make this, this house that they're selling more appealing, you're, you're starting or you're telling me that they're starting to think about connected technologies like smart home. And, and you know, the, when you think about the world of the realtor, they're, they're pretty connected people. You know, they're, they're out there. Doing their, you know, showing houses. They, I have a lot of realtors from my IT side uh, that are clients, and they got like all devices. They got like tablets, phones, 
laptops, they're they're pretty down with the connectedness of things, and they're like, yeah, yeah, let's talk about this. Talk about the typical engagement, right? So when I'm thinking about, uh, you know, I'm someone who maybe wants to add some smart home technology to my house. If I don't know a lot, but I just like the general idea of it, what's your plan as you go in there? Are you kind of walking, you know, are you doing a needs assessment? Are you kind of walking through budget and then and kind of then suggesting some ideas? Talk about a typical engagement. Well, needs assessment is, is definitely where you want to start. You know, they some people want to, they really want to wade into this. They, they don't know, you know, they don't know. And you try, you know, you, you, you start, the, the thermostat is just a perfect entry to all of this. Um, and when they see their thermostat works awesome and they can manage it, then, then they're more, then they're kind of more interested in lights than they are the door locks. But once you get those things working, then, you know, they, they just want to wade into it. So, you find out what, what it is that they're most concerned with, the thing that they want to automate the most, and you kind of go from there. They want, People still really want to see this stuff work. They want to live with it, you know. They want to see that it's, it's a viable solution. Now, the budget thing, you know, it's a lot of this stuff compared to, compared to where it used to be, you know. It's all that's not so much of of a concern to these people because you know the price point has come down dramatically from what you used to be able to do with home automation. Looking, you know, looking at the most popular devices when you when you when your customers ask for stuff, it sounds like a lot of people are starting with thermostats. What are some of the other popular point products that you're you're hearing people ask for, and maybe some? What are some of the growing things? What are the things that you're seeing more popular over the last little bit of time? Well, everybody's crazy about the camera, you know, the camera, the camera. Um, lights are starting to become something that people are interested in quite a bit. I mean, when when you start playing around with Philips Hue, you're like, well, okay, all right, this is kind of cool. And then you start changing the colors and you play. You can be entertained for hours just by changing the colors in your house with your Hue. I don't know if you saw the news of Amazon's home services in the past couple of weeks. I, I think we mentioned it, yes. um, but you know, I think it's really, I think it's interesting that, you know, they're selling basically single jobs, you know, like an install of a thermostat. So I don't know from your perspective, someone who could potentially be in that market, that digital marketplace, mm-hmm. is that something that excites you that Amazon could be essentially a storefront for your own services? I I've thought quite a, a bit about it. There there have been there's some websites out there that have been around for years that that do something similar to what Amazon has done here. They they typically like Workforce.com is one of them where you join the site and it blasts out a job to you and you pick up the job and you go do it. Uh, I don't know if that's the model that Amazon is going to go with. You know, what I have found using those things, I would love to, to work with Amazon and, and you know, be in that system of theirs. A lot of times, though, they're just, this job gets blasted out to hundreds of people. And it doesn't matter if you have a device in your pocket that tells you that there's a job for you. By the time you get in and scope out the job, there's 20 people standing in front of you waiting to accept it. 
So if if that's the approach that Amazon is going to take with this, I, mean, I don't know because it, it just ends up being it ends up being too difficult to interact with because you're never there in time. You just wonder how in the world did these twenty people get here before me when I had my phone in my hand? The job was sent to me. I hit uh, accept, and I'm twentieth in line. <laughs> Yeah, it's they don't strike me as uh, it'd be that sloppy, and I think that they've worked with specific uh, installers and and mm-hmm. you know craftsmen by the zip code and by the type of job to where the point. So when I was looking, and I've I've looked at it quite a bit, and certain type of jobs, it'll just plainly tell me no one could do this particular job, like install a thermostat or do work on your irrigation system in your zip code. So they have people very specifically by zip code by job type that they've partnered with. So it's, I mean, I don't know, maybe the Marcus place gets more filled over time with more, with more people that are willing to do it. But at the point right mm-hmm. now, it seems like it's almost a little bit constrained that they don't have a, enough people to fill it out. So it'll be interesting to see um, how they do that and how they ultimately they get down the jobs to like a specific skew. Like it's, it's literally a product. It's a skew that I can buy. That is a, it's a, it's a unit of labor. And then it's going to be paired with a piece of hardware so I think it actually would be a good, I guess, um, workflow for you or a good, I guess, funnel for you for work. If you say if people are buying thermostats and you're paired with them instantly by zip code, it can actually be like a decent source of, of, of maybe new clients. Yes, I, that's, what, I, that's what I'm hoping it will be like. Um, you know, Amazon's a smart company, too, and... They, they, who knows what they, what they have done in scoping out how this workflow is going to work. But it, it would be cool if, you know, you bought a Nest thermostat on Amazon and it came along with an installer if you wanted, and they, and they delegated these work, you know, in a way in which it, it, it was worth it for you to be involved with. Yeah, you know, I just, I just had previous experiences with, with these kind of services and if. You know, they just shoot shoot the job out to, to, any, to any and everyone. And it's hard to end up with the job. Well, it'll be interesting to see how that's evol- it evolves. But I'm really glad that I got a chance to talk with you and hear a little bit about this this business you're you're building in Dallas. Tell us, tell everyone where they can find you. Um, I'm at connectedhomedallas.com. Awesome. Hey, well, Brandon, this has been a lot of fun talking about the business you're building, and I appreciate you spending some time with me. Oh, thank you, Michael. It was great to be on your show. So that's it. Hope you enjoyed that. Brent is a, a nice guy out there pioneering small business, doing it around the DIY smart home. So, hey, some of you guys out there who are interested, I've had a few people email me. Uh, I think I'd mentioned this. We're intrigued by the, uh, this conversation that was upcoming. Uh, you might just learn from uh, the template that Brandon's starting. I think there's going to be more opportunity out there. So, uh Hope you enjoyed that. As always, find more Smart Home Shows. Go to technology.fm. Look in your favorite podcast player for the Smart Home Show or just look in iTunes. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We'll talk to you soon.